What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC, and of course I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So, today we got an uh, interesting one. So, you know, one thing that we kind of noticed, especially over the last few months, it seems like for some reason this year, you got a lot of people kind of coming back to MMA. A lot of veterans that, uh, you know, kind of were big names before, you know, putting their hat back in the, uh, you know, pot, so to speak, uh, for MMA. And I just found it interesting. I'm not sure why this year is the year where so many kind of chose to come back. Sent a lot of texts about it. And, uh, you know, um, just like, hey, have you noticed, you know, this person came back, this person came back and whatnot. And then from there, you know, asked his thoughts about, kind of having a podcast around it. So I sent a couple names over to him and, uh, you know, wanted to get his, uh, his thoughts about it. So I'm actually shoot it over to you lock and, uh, throw out whatever you want to throw out. And then we just pick it up from there. No. So I, I really like the topic and I think it's definitely a timely thing, you know, this year. Um, but I guess the one question I had, and I just start saving all this stuff till we start recording, because who knows what question or what comment can turn into scintillating conversation, you know? Right. So I figured I'd ask you. So I don't agree, or I don't disagree with, you, you know, your premise that this is the year a lot of people are coming back. But my one question, I guess, are we keeping this strictly to, like, high-level MMA, or are we talking combat sports in general? Uh, I didn't look up anybody else, but I would say combat sports. Why not? I didn't look. I The only people I looked up were the couple people that I shot over to you because that's what kind of made me think about it. It was like, wow, I didn't realize this many people were coming back this year. But uh, I'm more than welcome to open it up to combat sports in general. And even people that I didn't shoot over to you that you may have found that kind of came back this year. Um, Yeah, because, you know, I'm definitely open to talking all combat sports as you know <laughs> gotcha well and it's still mma fighters um so it, it'll still be relevant and it's not like i it's a gang of them but just a couple names mm-hmm. that you know one that i know you're a big fan of so you'll be super happy i brought it up <laughs> okay so for the people that i did uh send over to lot um you know some notable fighters that came back misha tate came back uh back in july She's actually slated, um, I think, December or or um, late November. I think she'll be fighting again. So she'll actually be getting two fights in this year. Um, Nate Murquat came back. He got two fights in this year. Uh, Nate Diaz, who I know uh, Locke has always been a big Nate Diaz fan. So he came back and fought one of... Uh, Locke's other favorite fighters, uh, Lawler, and then uh, Fedor came back this year. And all, you know, kind of late in the year, Misha was, you know, mid-year in July, but everybody else came back, you know, August, September, October. And um, 
these were all, especially for anybody that may be a newer MMA fan, these were all big names. So Misha Tate was both a, a strike force champion and wait, wait, did she win the title? I don't remember. Or when her and when her and um and uh Rhonda fought the first time, I don't remember if that was for the vacant belt or if she already had it and Rhonda took it. No, that was her, that would have been her first defense. So okay, she was that, the champion. Okay. Got it. So she won that, then she won the UFC title. Nate Murquat was a strike force champion. Uh couldn't quite get the strap at UFC. Uh, competed for the title though yes uh nate diaz was strike force champion um did not get the strap in the ufc and fedor i think held the strap in pretty much every promotion he was in at least once but he was never um they were never able to work out a deal with him with um with the ufc but initially he was a big pride guy and then when pride went away he kind of floated around M1 strike force, you know, a couple different, uh, different spots. But so these are not just kind of fly by night names. These are big names in the sport. And, you know, you go back a few years, we're at the top of the sport. And now after long layoffs and things of that sort, they kind of came back. So I want to throw out there for you first, kind of what you thought about, you know, them coming back and performances, things of that sort. And the big question I have is why come back? So my opinion on all those questions vary per fighter, you know? So I think that's like a spider web question because every question, each fighter is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Now, all of the fighters you mentioned, Nick Diaz, Misha Tate, Fedor, Nate, Mark Hort, I don't have a problem with any of them coming back. Nate would be the closest to me thinking should probably hang it up. Mm-hmm. Um, But none of these guys are out there embarrassing themselves. Like, I, And I shouldn't say embarrassing themselves. They're not really getting hammered like bj penn is right like bj penn is one of the few fighters that i would say needs to stop fighting because i usually just feel like it's not who am i to tell this adult man what he needs to do with his life you know um i think bj needs to hang it up but all of these guys are people that i'm still comfortable with being out there fighting my my take would be i'm skeptical to some of their approaches so the person that I think that most deserves to come back actually been out the longest, which is Misha Tate. I, th- I think, uh, you know, she did go out on two losses, but, you know, one was a decision. They were high level competition. She was still competitive. She had recently won a title, you know, um, she found something else to do. She's she had a couple kids, which is an issue males don't have to deal with as fighters. Right. You know, she, she right. wanted to, you know, start a family, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was still young. I mean, today, after taking that time off, she's still only, what is she? She's 35. Yeah. So she's 35 today. That's after taking five years off. You know what I mean? So 
I think she deserved a comeback, and I really think that it's something she wanted to pursue some other opportunities, make sure that she had potential to a life outside of fighting, and that's why she took, you know, some some executive work at it was one right. That's yep, where yep. she was like vice president at one, um, yep. and you know pursue some family things. But I think when it was all said and done, after taking some of that time off, she realized, you know, I still am competitive. I think I got a run in me. I needed some time off, but I'm ready to go. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I, I will say this on your BJ Penn comment. This is the difference in BJ Penn and everybody else that we named. BJ Penn was still fighting very relevant fighters. Right. Mm -hmm. If we look at and I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong here. It's just a difference. Right. If we look at Misha Tate came back and fought uh, Marion. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Renew. uh, But Marion was coming off of a four fight losing streak. Right. So it's not like she came back to fight somebody in the top five, top ten or whatever. Nate Murquat first fight back. Um, he fought a guy that was one and four in his last five. He won that fight. Second fight, he fought a guy that was two and three in his last fight. And this guy actually hadn't fought in almost four years. And he lost that fight via TKO. Uh, Nate Diaz actually had the longest layoff of anybody uh six years or eight months almost seven years that is a tremendous amount of time to come back his last fight was silva in 2015 and um we know how that went but of course there was a lot of rumors and things around stuff that may have happened to him or didn't happen in camp there was a rumor that he may have got knocked out in camp There was a rumor that he got injured and couldn't train the way he needed to. We know we saw a very different Nick Diaz, but even then, he was fighting Lawler. Lawler's always a tough fight, so what I'm about to say now is definitely not a knock on Lawler, but it's not the Lawler of old. You know, he was one in four in his last five coming into that fight, right? And Fedor... (laughs) <laughs> I don't want any problems, no problems. And then Fedor, he actually had the shortest layoff. I was surprised. It seemed like he was off longer than that, but he was only off roughly two years, a little under two years. But um, the guy that he fought was the only one out of those that had a winning record in their last five, and he was three and two in his last five, right? So um, BJ will fight the up-and-coming guy that may be undefeated. Or a guy that two fights to go fought for a title, you know, or something like that. So I, I think there's a very big difference in why we see the result that we see with BJ Penn. But I think the problem is, especially when you look at the UFC and them, you know, getting or offering somebody like BJ a fight. I don't think BJ would take a fight with somebody that's coming off of a four or five fight losing streak, right? So he's not even going to take that fight. Um, As far as Misha Tate, I definitely agree. Um, The problem with a lot of these people, Nick Diaz, I think, is the only big exception on this list. Their styles haven't evolved enough, in my opinion, for today's MMA. You know, we've talked about before the transition of where MMA has went. And 
my problem with Misha Tate is she definitely represents that. When she left the sport almost five years ago, her style was already kind of not up to par with kind of what we were seeing today in women's MMA. The skill level has jumped a lot since, you know, the days of her and Ronda fighting and things of that sort. And I saw, I still saw the same thing in this fight to me. I didn't see her, I didn't see her looking like she had a style that would be competitive at 135 or 125. I did see what appeared to be something that could be a little bit better or her honing in a little bit more of the style that she already had. But I just don't, I I just think women's MMA is, women's MMA is moving faster than men's MMA because they had more ground to make up. And I think she's too far behind. And then to your point, having the kids and everything like that, I get it. I understand when something's just in you and it's been your life for so long. I understand the fighter wanting to get back. But coming back, especially to the UFC and to, you know, 135 and, you know, with the same style, just seems like a, um, I don't know if enough thought was put into it, if that makes sense. So, so I disagree. Now, I don't think Misha Tate has another title run in her. I'm not going to say she, you know, obviously it's the fight game. Anything can happen. You know, right. Um, so I, I don't want to say she could never do it, but I don't see a title run in her future. But I think she's still a high enough caliber fighter that's still enough, has enough of the tank just physically, you know, as a physical specimen that she could still make some interesting fights. And uh, I don't know if, you know, nowadays with having a card every week basically and then you know 12 12 14 fights a card i think there's always going to be room for interesting fights that aren't necessarily playing into the rankings you know um i'd watch not tomorrow because i think she probably need another fight but i'd watch you know uh misha tate versus rocky in a rematch um you know her versus rocky i can't disagree with but only because I don't think Rocky is mentally in the game at all anymore. I think she's accepted that she's never going to beat an Amanda Nunes or something like that, and she's not going to be champion. And it's more about getting the paycheck versus being the best. She's the breadwinner in that family. Yeah, so it's like, um, I don't think, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying she's not training hard or anything like that. I believe she is, but we know, especially within the arena of sports, sports is very mental. It's very different. You know, it's the, it's like when we see a person that's just undefeated. And, you know, Ronda Rousey, who you know I absolutely love. So for me even to say this, you know it has to be true, right? But it's like watching Ronda Rousey, right? And she's undefeated and she's a world beater. And then she takes a loss and it's almost like, everything's gone and it's because that thing that she had mentally was shaken and she couldn't get it back right 
So I don't think that you have to be a Ronda Rousey to have that. I think you can even be a B-level fighter um, and still have that where at some point in time, you just look at it as I'm fighting to get a paycheck. It's not I'm going to be the best in the world. I'm going to win the title. Everybody can't be uh, Glover to share. Glover, even at 100 years old, <laughs> went out and fought every fight like he was trying to win a title. There was He was never coasting or anything like that. He was continuously trying to get better. Um, even with this, you saw, you know, if you look at Glover when he kind of came into the UFC, it was more just kind of brawler. And then he transitioned that over to brawling, mixing it up with, with wrestling and things. Go ahead. Are you trying to say a Hackleman fighter would be out there brawling? <laughs> get, the, get the fuck Every out of here. Every single one of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, it transitioned from that to kind of brawl wrestling. And, you know, he continued to – he didn't change styles, but he really added to it, right? In every fight you can see, he still wanted – he was still hungry. I don't see that with a Rocky, right? But if Misha Tate wins a couple fights, it is still the UFC, and there's not a lot of big names in women MMA. Who do you really put her up against that she stands a chance with the same style that she has? The striking in women's MMA has gotten a lot better, and that's still her weakest point, right? Like, it, it's... it's um. In my opinion, comparatively speaking, it's very primitive. It's not like we saw her like a, a Nama Yunus who really developed her striking in a way that that even though, you know, in my opinion, I don't think she's a, as good a striker as Wei Li or as uh, or as uh, Joanna. But she developed her striking in a way that was per- perfect against those type of fighters, those aggressive type of fighters. Right. I don't see those kind of changes with Misha, right? So it becomes, you know, why, right? Why, and don't get me wrong, once again, I get and I understand the love of the sport, but 135 isn't, a, you know, it's not a joke. You got some heavy hitters at 135 women's division, you know? And then if she dropped down to 125, come on, nobody wants to see my girl. We, we know that. Nobody. Best number one champion. Valentina? <laughs> yeah, of course. <clears throat> you know, the best. Listen, they're talking about trying to figure out some type of way to make another fight with her and, um, with her and, uh, um, uh, um, Nunez now. People have been talking about because it's like, they're like, we don't see anybody beat either one of them anytime soon. Uh, and both of their fights were very competitive. You know, I think is I personally think it's one and one. But um, they're like, what are we gonna do? There's, I mean, we're running out of women. <laughs> they're they're running the gambit. You know, this is like old school Anderson Silva GSP. You know, you run the gambit and you know, gotta fight people over again and whatnot. I think it's funny that you you think Valentina is like the top champion ever. I always even forget that that's a division still. Like haters, oh, yeah, we're still out there doing that. Come on, let's let's fold that. I mean, you know, she's on the great. You know, the show that, and she talked about this. She was never a one thirty five fighter. The only reason why she fought at one thirty five was because 
that was the only place she fit in the UFC when she came. And then as soon as they made a division for her, she dropped down to her normal weight class, right? But And you remember this from the fight group. Way, way, way back when, when she first, first came to the UFC, I was so excited because I said, I can't wait to see a fight between her and Joanna because of the fight that they had in, you know, kickboxing or whatever. But of course, Joanna was 115, and we know that it's a very tough cut for her. She, you know, Valentina went the other way. She's like, I don't want to have that big cut. I'm just going to go up. And we see what she was able to do. Dominate with the exception of the champ, and those fights were controversial. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's a, you know, she's really a, a a specimen. And then, of course, I was able to see her versus Joanna when Joanna was like, okay, I'll go to my, my normal weight class. And, you know, we know how that turned out. <laughs> Flawless victory. <laughs> um, you know, before, before she came to the UFC, um, karate hottie was a uh, Adam weight one Oh five. And, uh, they just didn't have that as a weight class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so she had to bulk up to 115, which, I mean, Big Booty Waterson's my favorite Waterson yes. anyways. So yes, I would agree. I, I think it was the right call. <laughs> I don't know career-wise, but I dig it. I think 115 is, is her weight class. And shit. I would agree. Um, But at women's Bantamweight, so you spent all this time talking about how UFC's flown past, you know, women's MMA's flown past Misha Tate. I mean, I'm looking at the top five. Style-wise. Style-wise, yes. Yeah. Okay, but go ahead. <laughs> J- Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamy is the number one contender. You don't think Misha Tate's... She literally quit a division and folded her title to not fight Cyborg. You don't think... Uh, you don't think Tate has a shot against Durandamy? I don't. And this is the reason why I don't. Because Durandamy's, what Durandamy has is still Misha Tate's kryptonite. Her stand-up, I think, is just too good. And the issue is... She's she's long. Yeah, very. And I think the issue is Durandamy was scared of Cyborg. There's a very big difference, going back to the mental, when you're scared of somebody. I don't think anybody's scared to fight Cupcake. It doesn't mean that Misha can't win. I didn't think she would beat Holly and she pulled that out because of heart, right? It wasn't because of skill because she was brutally getting beat in that fight. It was because of heart and she has heart, right? But nobody's scared to fight Misha Tate. Cyborg put fear in people's heart. (laughs) I get what you're saying. And I I agree. Jerain Duran to me was afraid of Cyborg. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't afraid of Misha Tate. But Misha Tate's not afraid of any fighters, I don't think. So all I'm saying mm-hmm. is Jermaine Durandamy is the number one contender. Yes. And there's there's some quit in that dog. You know what I'm saying? I like, agree. If she, was, if she was a pit bull, Michael Vick would drown her. I agree. But let me tell you the difference. We know that there was a guy out there named Anthony Rumble Johnson. There was mm-hmm. the scariest man walking at 205 pounds. 
if he touched you, is. your lights go out, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a little pudgy round dude named mm-hmm. DC. And he said, listen, I know Anthony Rumble Johnson's history. And deep down inside of him, he's a quitter. The problem is most people can't take him there. I'm going to take him into deep waters. And then he's going to volunteer and give me his neck. And I'm going to make him quit. And that was exactly what he did. (laughs) Right? So I'm saying that to say there are certain instances where, yes, I get it. Durandamy's a quitter. But Misha Tate isn't the person to put that fear or have that style to make a Durandamy quit. You got to go out there and beat her. Right? DC was exactly what was needed and had the style to make Rumble Johnson quit. And he proved it by doing it twice. What about Juliana Pena? Juliana beats. Yeah. Juliana beats. Uh, uh, um, Juliana beats um, uh, Misha Tate. Yes. Even after her layoffs and everything like that, Juliana still wins. I think... I think this is, you're trying to hide it and you're doing a decent job, but this is your Rousey fandom just having a whole episode around shitting on Misha Tate just because fucking, fucking old Rhonda Brown would be so proud of you shitting on Misha Tate for no reason. Let this lady have a second career, man. No, no, not at all. Not at all. This is, I really just think the sport and I'm ashamed of you. I really just think the sport you know, it's really evolving. And yeah, I get it. There's still some older people at the forefront. The people that you're naming, I think, fits in that category. But they all have her kryptonite. Everybody you name, they're all strikers, right? It's not like we're talking about her fighting, you know, Aspen Ladd or uh, um, what's her name? That just Aspen lost. Ladd's top five. I know, but I'm saying as far as she's more of a, a ground person where I would mm-hmm. give Misha Tate more of a chance. Everybody you name is a striker and they hit hard, right? So, mm-hmm. or um, let's say if she was fighting, um, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Megatron's daughter. What is her name? Um, uh, you know, she was big jujitsu before she uh, before she came to UFC. Irene? What was that? Irene Odana? No, what is her name? I'll think of her name in a minute. You know, the one that changed her changed her accent she's born in america but now she only talks with a brazilian accent mackenzie Dern. yeah it's it's not like she's fighting a mackenzie or something like that or some of these some of these newer fighters that mainly are on the ground she doesn't have to worry about their striking i give her a better chance but these same women that she retired from because of the striking and these up-and-coming women that have striking are going to be a huge problem for her that's my point. So, how dare you drag Mackenzie Dern into this? <laughs> First of all, no, I love Mackenzie no reason, Dern. <laughs> there's no reason to play dirty, okay? Leave Mackenzie Dern alone. And then, um, you you made me forget my second fucking point. I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, out of the four fighters we you named... Mm-hmm. Misha Tate is the second, the second most competent contender in her division out of those four. I don't think it's about competency. I think, and you know, I've always been this person. 
a lot of people don't believe this. I'm an absolutely styles make fights type of per- person. Absolutely. Those matchups make a difference, right? If even though Misha beat Holly Holm, if they were to fight five more times, I would put my money on Holly Holm five of those times. Because, yeah, Misha Tate won and she won by stopping. She choked her out. But she was getting absolutely destroyed because of the difference in style and and Holly Holmes kickboxing. So to me, it's the styles that mean something. Um, The same reason why nobody wants to fight Nunez. Nunez isn't the most skilled, but her style and her stand-up at that weight class, nobody's been able to solve that problem yet. The closest has been Valentina, right? And it's because of her movement with her striking. But even when they asked her, you know, they kind of asked her, like, well, if you all were to fight for a third time, would you try to, like, gain a bunch of weight and really, like, put on muscle and try to match her? And she was like, no. She's like, right now, nobody can match Nunez at the size. The best you can do is try to be quick and strike and everything like that. If you try to play the size game with Nunez, it's just not happening. Unless, unless uh, what's her name? Gabby... Um, I forget her last name. The uh, Gabby Sanchez. Is that her last name? I believe so. The, the BJJ Jiu-Jitsu girl. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless she somehow was able to drop down to one thirty-five, which I doubt, because she made Cyborg look small. That's the only person that could outsize Amanda Nunes right now, and Amanda Nunes carries that weight better than anybody else. She doesn't get too bulky. It's not like she's lifting a ton of weight to be that size. She's just a big girl and she hits like a truck, right? So I really think that certain attributes in these fighters makes a difference when you're matching them up via style. And most of the women that you named are all strikers. We look at, so if we look at, you know, just even that top five, you got Nunez, you got Durandamy, you got Holly Holm, you got Irene, you got Pena. Right. So, you know, once again, and I get what your initial point, you don't think she's coming back to make a title run. But that goes back to my point. I get you love the fight. But why are you really coming back? Is it really worth it? Especially now that you have two young kids. Is it really worth it? Because I'm seeing all these strikers at the top of the division and I don't see you beating any of them. Yeah, okay, I, I kind of get that. It, it, it wasn't Gabby Sanchez. It was uh, Gabby Garcia. Yeah, that's the name. Yeah, Gabby I was like, Garcia. Sanchez, I don't know if that sounds right. Yep, Gabby yeah. Garcia it is. So, look, I'm, you know, just typical white guy in America, just racist fuck, like Garcia, <laughs> Sanchez, whatever. Um, but, no, she's 6'2", 209. Yeah, she's huge. Yeah, she's she's, she's huge. gigantic. Yeah, um, very huge. And, and maybe I should rephrase that because I guess I shouldn't say – I guess what I'm trying to say is as far as people that could contend or could in theory ever hold a title again, I think she's the second most likely out of those four because I get what you're saying. And when you break down the rankings, you're right. But then look at the welterweight top five. Who's Nick Diaz beating? Is he, he's not beating Usman. He's not beating right. Colby. He's not beating like, and he's getting yes beat. You know, um, Nate Marquardt, I mean, he's getting beat on the regional level, 
You know, he, he's yeah. he's struggling to win fights at Titan fights. You know, so right. he's not. And to him, I'm guessing it's got to be a money thing, right? I mean, he's like 30 and 20. Uh, it was weird. He said he had a dream and some other stuff. And, you know, he's he's um he's really religious now. He went on like a um he went on like a um I think he's Mormon, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. But whatever it is where you kind of go through the process almost to be like a um to be like a um a a a a pre or a preacher or like a um where you're going to carry the word like a like a, a missionary. missionary or something like that yeah there's like a schooling and everything that you have to go through and he mentioned doing that and actually kind of going on some retreats and everything but he said he had a dream and like a vision and somehow that led him to coming back to fighting so i don't know what's what of that i don't know that it's money and especially him I think that, you know, he definitely could get a job somewhere easily as a, um, you know, as a coach. Um, he seemed to be the right temperament. He's been in, you know, all the big leagues and everything like that. I'm pretty sure a lot of organizations would be lucky to have him. Um, so, you know, and that's that's what's hard to tell. Like Misha's, I doubt it was money, right? Because like you said, she was an executive at one. You know, I doubt hers was money. I don't think the Diaz brothers are hurting for any money, right? I think, you know, Nick probably got his own weed right now, right? <laughs> you know, so I don't I don't think it's a money thing. And Fedor, it's hard to tell. You never know kind of on the Russian scene how things work. But, um, you know, it, it seemed like he was a guy that was taken care of, so to speak, right? So that's what's weird. I don't know that it's money for any of these people. Not saying they're super rich or couldn't use the money, but I don't know that that's the factor, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Nate Marquardt was the only one that I was thinking it could be money. I didn't know he had a religious epiphany. That makes sense. And I get that. Like, as a wrestler, you know, Vision Quest is my jam, movie-wise. So I get that, Mm -hmm. you know, that that one last run, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's what I was saying. The, out, out of all of them, he seemed the least likely to, because Fedor is not in the UFC and he's not a legit like title contender. But he's at heavyweight, which is a terrible division historically. Not terrible. I mean, obviously they're beasts, but I just mean where you know you can win a couple fights and you're right in there. And then older guys right. tend to do well. Um, right. But out of all those guys, Fedor probably still makes the most per fight. You know, he still probably makes a million dollars per fight to fight. Yeah. And the thing about heavyweights and, you know, I remember back in the day, George Foreman talking about this. The last thing to leave is the power, right? The same thing like with golf and everything like that. You meet older golfers. They said hitting the ball far is not the issue as you get older. You end up with more issues of precision as you get older. But a lot of those guys get in the master's division, they could hit the ball just as far as they used to be able to. You know, when Foreman came back, he said power wasn't something that he lost, you know, coming back or whatever. It was more, uh, you know, some of the stamina things and, of course, speed, right? So with Fedor and his style, his style hasn't changed much. He's going to throw looping punches and take some punches, and he's hoping to catch you and knock you out. 
And, you know, as you know, Fedor really doesn't go to decisions. He, the fight's going to end somehow. If you look at his record, he's 40 and six. He's been in nine decisions in his whole career. None as a loss. So you're not going to take Fedor and beat him up and drag him to a decision. He's going to do something drastic where he's going to knock you out or you're going to knock him out or he's going to rock you and then submit you, right? So, um, you know, that would be the the person I would think is more likely to make a run, especially when you talk about Bellator, because what is Bellator? We talked about this on another podcast, right? It's all old UFC guys. I, I haven't seen them really breed their own people yet. So, yes, although we know he lost to like a um, Ryan Bader and a Matt Mitrione before, it's heavyweight. It's heavyweight, man. And the way these guys fight, anybody can get caught and it can be over, right? Uh, I totally agree with what you said with Nick Diaz. I don't see him, especially because I think he has a problem with big wrestlers. And in in that division now, that division, as we talked about, I think is scary, you know? You got these big wrestlers that can strike with cardio for days. It's a nightmare in any division, right? So I don't see that. And as you said, Nate, you know, he's getting KO'd by guys on the regional scene. And, and as I mentioned, the guy that he fought that he lost to was coming off of an almost four-year layoff, right? Three, 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 uh, three years and seven months. So it's not like this guy was out there really, you know, mixing it up. And the guy was two and three in his last five. So it's not like they picked a big thing for him. You know, it was like let's let's bring him along slowly. And uh, you know, he wasn't able to make it happen. And uh, it he didn't look bad in that fight. It's just, I mean, that you know, as you mentioned before, that's the fight game. And I don't think that this guy was anywhere near the caliber of what you normally would see at any high level of 185, meaning the guy that he fought. Just what I was seeing as they were mixing it up, he didn't look like he would be a threat in any of the larger promotions. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, but but also good for him. You know, if he wants to go 500 on the regional circuit, circuit I'm with it. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, for real, I'm not even trying to be condescending. Like, whatever it is, you got to um, – I've seen Rocky Balboa. You know, if you got a little bit of stuff left in the cellar, you need to get out. Go do your thing, <laughs> Nate. You know, like I said, you're not you're not embarrassing himself or anything like that. So That actually brings up a question. I'll let you finish, and then I have a question for you about that. Go. So the question is, um, understanding that, and I would agree with you, and – I love to see one of the guys be able to still make money, but then in, in a lot of other forms of entertainment, especially nowadays, they're finding different ways to reinvent themselves, still be relevant, get some of the light that they're used to have and make some money, right? Like, uh, for example, music industry, especially the rap scene, almost all of those guys have podcasts now, right? Finding different avenues, different things that they can do. You got a lot of people that were actors and things of that sort kind of starting to transition over to the YouTube space. So, you know, something where they can still be relevant, kind of in their own self. I don't understand why more of these fighters don't go the road of 
a no gi BJJ. Uh, you know, uh, Chell Sonnen has his league that I think is kind of like combat jujitsu, but even like a combat jujitsu or something else. If you really have this, you need to get out of your system. It's not about money or anything like that. But looking at the risk to reward ratio, why don't you do something else still competitive? And you can even pull some of your old rivals into it, right? In one of the previous podcasts, we talked about, you know, Nate Murquat, um, uh, KO and uh, uh, Tyron Woodley. I would love to see that in some type of grappling match, right? Um, so there's these other avenues and I don't understand why they don't go into any of them. So I don't know how these are going to come out, like as far as release date wise, but I really hope it reflects. Nobody knows how much <laughs> you be babbling about these fucking jujitsu grappling tournaments and shit that nobody wants or nobody watches that you just they're love. All on, they're all on UFC fight pass. Yeah. The ironic part is you're always pushing these jujitsu tournaments and then the next, the second I say, Look, I think amateur wrestling could be a big thing to blow up, you're like, eh, whatever. Like, Nobody watches that. No. Nope, it's not all just... fight pass. <laughs> um But I do think okay, along that vein, if that's what you're talking about, like I get that. So we do like a miracle match not a miracle matchup, but just something I would dig to see. So along the veins is uh, you know, Khabib is retired, right? Doesn't want to come back. But we're talking about comebacks and stuff. So why don't we do a no-gi Khabib versus Dylan Dennis? Or Ferg. They never they never got it in. Khabib Ferg. But yes, I would absolutely go well, with Ferg's, Khabib Well, Ferg, he's still under UFC contract. Well, I, I guess probably so is Khabib. So that'd be the one you'd have to do. Yeah, I think, I think because especially... The UFC has so many of these under contract with Fight Pass. I think they could make it work with some of these promotions because, you know, Fight Pass is kind of what's becoming the place to watch these. So I think they can make it happen. Or like an old school UFC, but of grappling. So I'd really like to see like some kind of a, you know, like a mixed rules grappling match between like a Jordan Burroughs and then like, I don't know, like a Damian Maya. Yes, or, you know, a Damian Maya level guy. Like, let's see the highest level of each. How how does it play out? Like, and honestly, I don't even really have a prediction. I legitimately want to know. Like, how does how does that play out? Yeah, I think most of these I wouldn't have a prediction because I really think the game changes a lot when you have strikes. We don't know what it would be, you know. And then, like I said, if you don't want to do straight grappling, you have combat jujitsu out there. They allow strikes is just open hand, so it's more like old school um um Pancrase or whatever. Yeah, Pancrase, yeah. I was trying to think of the name. Yeah, where it's like, you know, you could do palm strikes and stuff like that. You know, they have a, a interesting rule set, but that's something where you still can get in there and mix it up some, right? But it, it's not the it's not the type of punishment that, you know, you can't endure as you get older, you know, and none of these, nobody we're talking about is a spring chicken. I mean, you mentioned Misha 35, right? Murquat is 42. Diaz is 38 and Fedor is 45. So it's not like any of them are spring chickens and all of them have been fighting for a nice amount of time, right? Yeah, definitely. It's a, uh... 
Yeah, because the the extra guy I had I thought was a younger guy, and I look at his age, he's 36 too. So even guys that? I think are young ain't even young nowadays. Who was that? Uh, Chad Mendez. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, you Chad, do think of Chad as a kind of a younger guy, but yeah, you're right. No, he's 36. Yep. Yeah. But uh, so he's making his comeback, and that's why I was asking earlier if we we're talking about just strictly like MMA or whatever, because mm-hmm. uh, Chad Mendez is coming back to do. Uh, he just signed Bare with Knuckle. Bare Knuckle. Yeah, I mean this is the thing, um, and you've made this point quite a few times. I like Bare Knuckle. I think it could rival MMA. I don't necessarily think it's the right thing for what we're talking about in particular, especially as you get older. And I'm thinking about you not taking as much damage. I don't think that that fits. Not if you're comparing. Now, if you're saying go to boxing versus bare knuckle, yes. I still believe that bare knuckle, although it's bloody and it looks brutal, is better than you getting hit over and over in the head with these you know, massive amounts of hand wraps and gloves. Right. So I think it's better than that, but not comparatively speaking to a combat jujitsu or some of these other things, but, um, especially um, to a five, five foot five wrestler. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I think that, um, you know, it would be interesting to see what happens with Chad Mendez um, also with bare knuckle, because of it being bare knuckle, I think you're l- very limited on how many times you can compete a- in a year because you're more likely to have cuts and everything like that. Those have to heal, uh, versus once again, you know, if you get big names into some of these things like combat jujitsu, it can grow and you're not taking the damage that doesn't allow you to, let's say you're not making a lot of money, Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're making more money than where did Nate fight? Nate fought first at Titan and his loss was at XMMA. I'm pretty sure enough names go over to a combat jiu-jitsu or something. You can win. You can make more money than an XMMA, especially if now it allows your body to compete more often. Let's say you can compete three times a year you know, something like that, like you could in your prime three, four times a year. Now you have something there. With bare knuckle, I definitely don't think that, unless you literally aren't getting touched, um, I don't think that you would be able to compete more than twice a year just based on what's likely to happen from the strikes of the knuckles. You know what I mean? Definitely. I get that. It makes sense. But aesthetically... We seem to prefer, and I, I am a grappler by trade, you know, I love wrestling and stuff. And, but unfortunately as a society, we prefer fisticuffs to the grappling arts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think people like us can see the, can see the art in all of them, but most people, it's mainly what they know or what they grew up on. And, You'd be surprised how many people I talk to that still don't think that BJJ works. Oh man, if they try to grab me, I'm a, uh, I'm a, then I'm a Neil, and then I'm a. Uh. <laughs> yeah, in, in uh in 2021, people are still saying, "Why doesn't he just get up and punch him?" 
Yeah, good call. I didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, I don't think he thought of that. You probably could make a lot of money as a manager if you go ahead and just find a couple fighters and tell them that. I'm pretty sure it'll work. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I figured this would be, a, you know, a good topic, you know, just because of kind of the questions and, you know, digging into not just some of the fighters, but, you know, as we talked about, why certain people would come back, um, people that you think has a chance to at least make some kind of a run and, you know, everything like that. And I think the only thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the only thing that you really can come up with is somehow it's really just the love of the sport. And I know for some instances that sounds cliche or people don't get it, but if you're not a fighter, it might just not be for you to get some things you have to be a part of to understand the drive, the love, everything like that of it. And when you're not of that, you just can't get it. And even the fighters themselves, everybody say they're not going to fight past a certain point or, or something like that. And almost all of them end up doing it right. I'll, I'll never fight past 40. And then they retire at 39 and come back at 42, right? <laughs> so, you know, that that's that's the best that I can see. I really just think it's the love of the sport. And I love watching people compete. I just want that safety factor to be there. As I always say, I want people to be able to talk to their kids and grandkids. If you can compete and still do that, I'm all for it. All thumbs up. What about you, Locke? Yeah, I agree. You know, make make your money. Like I said, if you got you got something going on that makes you have to still feel like you have to get out there and scrap, then by all means, you know, do your thing. Um, I did. I had one more guy though. Yep, go ahead, yeah. shoot. Uh, Rashad Evans, your boy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a heartbreaker, but uh, he came back. Uh, he was gonna back? box. Oh, who's who's he gonna box? I didn't hear about it. Uh, he doesn't have a fight yet, but he's like like he's back in the game. To he's pursuing a boxing career. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Striking wasn't his strong point. He was he was. Let me take that back because I said it wrong. Getting hit wasn't his strong point, right? <laughs> Very good striker. Yeah, he was a good striker. Very good striker. When it comes to taking strikes, <laughs> you know, even in some of his wins, you know, it just wasn't, um, especially once he got knocked out by Machida, he was a different fighter. It was like he was, um, it was like he was shell-shocked, you know. He was a very different fighter after that. So he's, and him having the Michigan State, you know, background of wrestling, I definitely would rather see him in some type of, um, and I believe Bogey he's grappling. coaching. Yeah. Or yeah. once again, combat jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, I think he's, so uh, let's call this segment, uh, me name fighters that you think should grapple. <laughs> Listen, most of them have a grappling background though, right? Let's, let's name them. Misha Tate. What was she first? She's a wrestler. Okay. Nate Marquette. Uh, I don't know. Is he a wrestler? Wrestler. Yes, wrestler. Okay. Yeah. Remember, he was an old Team Quest guy or whatever, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Diaz, what is he? BJJ guy. Okay, grappler, grappler right? Fedor, what is he? 
Uh, Sambo. Sambo. Grappler. Grappler. <laughs> so, yeah. Rashad Evans, Michigan State wrestler. Yeah, D1 so wrestler, big time. <laughs> that's right. It's not like what I'm saying is like far out of the question, right? <laughs> it's like I'm just trying to give them to come back home to their roots, you yeah. know? Come back home. Be embraced. Hey, everybody got you got to come back home. <laughs> but uh, that's all I got. You got anything else, Locke? Uh, I I can't say anything better than come back home, man. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been another Fat Boy MMA podcast. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.